Hey guys, I'm so excited for this episode because it's, I'm going to veer off of the normal. When I do an interview session, I'm giving you an idea of a job that you could do from home, how to add income to your bottom line. But today we're going to veer right. And what we're going to do is we're going to go right in to a great conversation with my friend Suzanne, who is a retired speech pathologist. So if you've ever had questions about your child's speech development, language, hearing, this is the podcast. Here's where you want to stay for the next few minutes because we have some great insights for you. Hey friends, welcome to the Productivity and Proverbs 31 podcast. I'm Kathy Lanham, your host, your mentor across the airways, if you will. I'm a mom of five, former teacher and top 2% company leader. Now I'm a coach, a podcaster and a business strategist. Stick around if you're a Christian mom with some big dreams, messy bun and sweatpants. You might feel all the guilt, but you refuse to be a Pinterest perfect mom. You live in your car and reheated coffee is a staple. If chaos is usually rampant and you'd like some practical tips on how to grow a business, grow in your faith and get some control with an occasional date night thrown in as a bonus, hang around. Because as we grab these few minutes together, I want to help you keep growing in your faith, build a business that lines up with your God-given gifts and talents, and make memories of a life you love. So reheat that coffee and let's get started. As promised, I'm going to introduce you to my friend, Suzanne Manthai-Brown, who is a retired speech pathologist. Now, she's got quite a few accolades. Her BS came from James Madison in Virginia, and she's got her master's from the University of Texas. And she's no newcomer to the game. You can trust what she says because she had about 25 years, not 35, 25 years (laughs) of school um, experience and primarily in the elementary school, but also in preschool. So that, Suzanne, I just want to welcome you to our show. Thank you, Kathy. I am so happy to be here. So Suzanne, for those moms out there that maybe don't know what a speech pathologist does or what resources you offer, how about if you share a little bit about that? Sure. I would say the first thing is that a speech pathologist is the same thing as a speech therapist. Those words go hand in hand. Sometimes if you go to a clinical setting, they're going to call themselves a pathologist. And if you go to a more public setting, like a public school, they'll say therapist. Little kids, of course, call you the speech teacher. Actually, they'll say the peach teacher. (laughs) That's it. So my background is in deaf ed. So I have a parallel course with you. What kinds of things? We had kids that stuttered, kids with language delays. Define what you're looking for. So if you're a preschool speech pathologist, Mm. What kinds of things or what kinds of things should moms be on the lookout for? Oh, gosh, I would say it's in the area of communication. How well does your child communicate? If your child is going uh, 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 and pointing and having fits, screaming and temper tantrums, they have a language issue. They're trying to communicate. and They don't have the skills to do it. And what are you talking for that? I'm saying two two and a half. Then I would say uh, for that child who maybe is not having temper tantrums, but is reluctant to speak, won't you're at the grocery store and we want to respect stranger danger, but someone says hi, or you're at your friend's house and someone that they know, and they just don't want to talk to them. That would be something I would kind of do a red flag about why are they not willing to talk? I know of one young man who wasn't willing to talk. He was very smart but very difficult to understand. So he didn't talk to adults because nobody understood it. So that's the other thing I would look out for. As far as I have a rule of thumb, 
that three years old, 300 words that someone who is familiar with the child or familiar with children understands as different words. So they don't have to say them perfectly. They don't have to pronounce them accurately. But as long as the child doesn't say ga for dog and ga for cookie and ga for water and ga for grandma, there's got to be four different sound combinations, uh, consonant vowel combinations. They don't have to be perfectly said, but 300 words would be my rule of thumb at age three and also beginning to put at least two to three words together. So if they're still just at that one word, saying one word, maybe saying it really well, but not adding anything to it, then you might want to have them evaluated by a speech pathologist. And the beauty of this is we all pay taxes and our public schools provide this as a free service from birth until they get to kindergarten, they can be evaluated for free. Now, that being said, I wouldn't willy-nilly say, oh, my kid doesn't say his R's, so I need to be tested. No, I'm talking about a significant difference than their peers. That would be another thing that I would look at. If you do a little play group or mom's morning out and you notice that your child doesn't seem to be able to communicate well with other children his or her age, Talk to the care provider there and ask, how does little Johnny communicate in a group situation? Does he participate? Does he answer questions? And if the teacher's saying, not really, uh, we have something that's called parallel play and cooperative play. Parallel play is when two children are playing next to each other and sort of imitating and copying one another, but they aren't interacting together. Cooperative play is when they are interacting together. And that comes in around three. Three is like this magic age that you just got to pay attention to. And then let's talk about and address things that are cute when they're little. Mm. It's cute when they're little, but at what point should the inability to pronounce L's or P's or B's or R's cues? So there is a hierarchy in sounds as far as what age they're established. And your best place to find that, if you really want to know, is the American Speech and Hearing Association. You can go to their websites, ASHA, if you put in American Speech and Hearing Association. And there, do a search for um, speech sound development. You will see what is typical speech sound development. And along with that, I always tell parents that R is a six-year-old sound. So if your four-year-old is not saying an R, don't stress. Even if their name has R's in it, don't stress. It really is a six-year-old sound. If they're not saying P's and M's and they're four or five years old, get thee to a speech pathologist. Good deal. And then if a mom has this feeling that she, like you've said, she's observed play in the play group and she just isn't feeling really good about her child's speech, or maybe it's his, his or her hearing, what would you suggest as far as following that gut intuition? Where should she go? Where should she start? There are two places to go. First, to your pediatrician. Always just go to your child's doctor. Talk to them about your cares and your concerns. And you can ask for a referral for a hearing evaluation or a speech and language evaluation. And depending on insurance and who knows what, that may or may not happen. Also, if you have a pediatrician who says, yeah, I was kind of worried about your kid's language development, hold on to that pediatrician for dear life because they're wonderful. Sometimes pediatricians are like, oh, your kid talks fine and 
uh, they don't follow your gut. So if the pediatrician doesn't help, your next step would be your public school. There are federal laws that say that we should evaluate children with speech and language hearing delays from birth to age five until they get to kindergarten. And that is a free service because you pay taxes. It is often called child find. So you would just call your local school district and say, how do I get in touch with the child find people? Um, and that's, that's your best bet. That's going to be free. The other thing would be Google it and say, who's the nearest speech pathologist in my town? And call and talk to someone and say, I'm concerned about my child's development. And then have that private evaluation. The private evaluation is pretty costly. Uh, the public school one's free, but you might be on a waiting list with that public school one. And that's, and, yeah, I was going to say, and most of the time, don't be surprised if when you do go to the public school, that there is a wait time or a lag time or a waiting list simply because they are so overburdened most of the time because we're trying to nip this in the bud when they're early. Right. I really strongly believe that early, early in, it's called early intervention. Early intervention with kids who have speech and language delays is remarkable. Lots of times parents are like, oh, I'm just going to wait till they're in school. Please don't wait till they're in school. Please do not wait. Get them started early. As I was saying, there was a young man. I actually worked with him when he was nine. But when he was little, he didn't talk because he knew nobody understood him. Fortunately, he has, and it was just speech sounds, articulation, his distorted and delayed and substitutions. And it was really hard to understand him. Don't wait. That's the thing I can say is don't wait. And can language delays and the lack of language development also sometimes be an indicator of other, maybe more serious yes. issues? Yes, very much so. Lots of times if you have a child who things like doesn't make eye contact, really has a hard time changing from one activity to a next or changing from one place to another, very egocentric in their language, uh, you may be looking at a child with autism. That's such a bell ringing word, you know, people, oh, red flags. Oh no, my kid's autistic. Right now it is called the autism spectrum disorder. And part of what you want to hear in that is spectrum. So you have what we call high functioning people with autism. And then you have people with autism who are very impacted with their ability to communicate. And that's what autism really is. It's an inability to communicate in such a manner that your needs and wants met okay. so that you get your needs and wants met. So now if I have brand new baby, grandbaby, it's on my knee and we're babbling away. How can I encourage language development? So let's say that I don't necessarily see any problems. Before this podcast, I was blissfully going along, not worrying about my child's <laughs> language. And now maybe we've raised some concerns or red flags. So give me some practical tips that moms and dads, parents can do with their kids to encourage language development. Please do not stick them in front of a tablet or a phone or a television. Please, please, please. I beg you. I would say just in normal day-to-day -day activity that you narrate what you're doing. So even with a baby, when you're changing their diet, you can sing the ABC song, or you can sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, or you can say, this little piggy went to market, or you can count their toes or count their fingers. You're just providing the, the chance for the child to hear language. So that would be one thing. Another thing would be interacting with them. It is 
people say, oh, don't do baby talk. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, don't do baby talk to a seven-year-old. But if you're talking to a toddler, go ahead. Talk about the little BB doing the little cutie, cutie things. It's okay. So that would be something else, just to narrate your day, talking about, okay, I'm going to pull your shirt on, put your hands up. I'm going to pull your shirt down. I'm going to pull up your pants. And so you're giving those directional words. You want to try to use as descriptive a language as possible. So you wouldn't say that over there. You would say under the coffee table, next to the window, behind the dog. So you want to use that vocabulary that's more specific rather than it's just over there, go look for it. Or I can see it, I'm pointing to it. That's not enough information linguistically for a child to understand or to improve their language. And I think it's always amazing the phenomenon that happens when you have a child that's number two, three, or four in a lineup and how that impacts language. Sometimes it's positively, they're little chatterboxes, everybody's talking around them. And other times everything's being done for them. So they don't mm -hmm. feel the need to speak. So, so I have an anecdote for you. I have a friend who had four boys and then she had that little girl. Those boys loved that little girl as much as the mom and daddy did. And so she didn't talk. And when the last boy went off to kindergarten or first grade, the mother, I mean, the mother had never really heard this little girl say very much at all. And so she looked at her, they're sitting at the kitchen table and she goes, well, what do you want for lunch? And the little girl said, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich perfectly. And she had never needed to speak because her brothers were always taking care of her and they were looking out for her and meeting her every need. And they just, and so that's sort of precious to know that, you know, she was fine. Then in my own story is I have three daughters, five years between the oldest and the youngest. The middle one is closer to the youngest than she is to the oldest. My oldest at one year had a vocabulary of over a hundred words, which is uncommon. My middle child at the age of one year, had a vocabulary of about three words. Big difference. Big, big difference. And then my youngest one, we always joke, we don't remember because she was the third. So we didn't write that stuff down. So people were like, aren't you worried about the way the second one was not talking? And I said, no, I'm not worried about it because here's what normal is. And Kathy, you know this, we have that classic bell curve. Your bell curve uh, goes from zero to 100%. And the middle is between the 25th percentile and the 75th percentile. So just imagine something that's at the 75th percentile is going to be vastly different from something that's in the 25th percentile, but that's the normal range. So I had a child who at 12 months was above the 75th percentile. And then I had another child who was probably in that 25th percentile, but still normal. So I think what normal is, is a huge range. You can have a child who, okay, this is at 12 months, but by two and a half, she'd caught up. So we didn't have to worry about it. That's just something to think about. And I think parents just talking to your children, reading to them, um, don't read the Wall Street Journal, but, but you can read, you know, all those little board books, um, any kind of children's picture book. It's a great way just to introduce language to kids. Singing Absolutely. is another one. Singing yes. is another one. So I would say that's the other thing is we have to be patient with our kids too. That's the other thing is just particularly in my field, when I'm trying to get a child to say something, don't ever say, say mama. Don't use that word say, just throw it out. What you do is you model the word. You just say mama and they're going blah, 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 mama, blah, blah, blah. 
mama. And you might have to do that 350,000 times before they say mama. Just keep saying the word. Um, and it's there's a fine line between frustrating that child and knowing when they're ready to try to say the word. And that's a good point. And I was going to segue into that with all of the technology that we have in the comparisonitis and the social media constructs where we're always seeing other people's highlight reels and we're comparing it to our bloopers. There's such a feeling of pressure. Oh my gosh, my child's not reading War and Peace yet and she's three. My two, yeah, my one-year-old only has 75 words. What the heck? And, and that kind of thing is that it's so important that we respect who they are as people and we let them grow and develop without undue pressure. However, as adults, we as the parents are cognizant of or we're aware of the red flags. And right. so when you have that feeling, just that mama feeling in your gut that there's something wrong or this child is not hearing me mm -hmm. or this child should, mm -hmm. is saying, give me the peanut butter and they're wanting the apple pie, That there's a problem there. There's a disconnect. Right. One of the things I wanted to say is that typically speech pathologists work in four different areas. They work with speech sounds, which is called articulation. They work with language development. They work with children who stutter. And the fourth area is children who have voice issues. So that kid who has a really hoarse voice or selective mutism is sometimes considered a voice issue. Um, sometimes it's considered a language issue. So those are the four areas we work with. And in the public school, we mostly see the first two. We see articulation delays. We see language delays. We also see some stuttering. I mean, I'm not really answering your question. I really think I go back to, if you're really concerned, talk to your pediatrician. Right. Please talk to your pediatrician. And if they understand your concern, then get a referral for an evaluation. The other thing you can do, if you've got moms who homeschool, ask, are any of you speech pathologists that you've been working, but now you're staying home and teaching your kids? That was me. And so I had a lot of homeschooling moms ask me, can you just listen to my child? I mean, I know that you were a speech pathologist and I don't want you to do anything, but would you just listen? And sometimes you can get really good feedback from that as well. And they'll say, no, they're fine. Or they'll go, yeah, maybe you might want to do something, do something about that. That was my other comment that I wanted to close as far as my contribution is that don't bow to the undue pressure. Don't force your kids to do things that maybe is beyond where they are. Just don't go there. But if you have red flags, listen to those and then listen to others who give you feedbacks because so often we get prickly when, when particularly if it's your mother-in-law or your mom or your dad, we internalize it as criticizing us because they're pointing out what they perceive as a problem with junior. And we get all of that extra emotion wrapped up in it. Just listen with ears of what's the truth here. So then you bring it up at your next pediatrician's appointment. Right. And then the other thing too, is you can go to the ASHA website. I referred to that earlier. They have got all kinds of lists about what you expect a one-year-old receptively to understand and expressively. 18 months, 24 months, two and a half, three, four, really right up to six or seven years old, because some speech sounds Articulation sounds really don't develop until seven and a half. So they're almost eight years old. I so ASCII are. <laughs> well, actually, it's SH is another one. SH and the J, the soft G sound, J is a hard one. Yeah. And those R's, those R's are just 
yeah, pesky. ours. They're pesky. Well, Suzanne, what a delight. Thank you for bringing some wisdom to the table here for young moms. Is there anything that I have left out or not asked you about that is noteworthy and, and moms need to know? The one thing we really haven't talked about is stuttering. Oh, there you go. And I was going to do that. So please address that. So uh, at all times, at all ages, the percentage of people who stutter is the same. So whether you're 50 or whether you're five, you look at all five-year-olds, you look at all 50-year-olds, it's basically the same percentage, a little bit higher in that preschool time. So if you notice that your child is disfluent or they're doing, uh, 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 I want a cookie, the biggest word I can say to you is be patient, be patient. Don't repeat the child. Don't ask them to slow down and start over again. Just let them stutter because particularly with children's development, you will find at different times, kids are disfluent when they go from riding a trike to riding a bicycle. So as they're learning to gain a new skill, sometimes you will see their speech delay a little bit and they might be a little disfluent when they go to school for the first time. They might be a little disfluent in the beginning, and but then halfway through the year, they're fine. When they hit puberty, they might be a little disfluent. And then about a year, nine months into it, they're fine. So if that is your child, just be patient. And that would be one thing I would say. But if you have a child who really gets stuck with talking, and that's, that's the best way kids describe it. They go, I just get stuck. My, my, my voice gets stuck. I want to say something and they're just stuck. If you've got that, again, pediatrician, speech pathologist, but, and warn people off. If grandma is saying, oh, honey, just slow down. You can do it. Just be patient. And one of the things you can do is you can say to them, sweetie, sounds like you're having a tough time saying what you're going to say. I'm here. I'm going to listen. Take as much time as you need. And if you can give that gift to your child, that just takes the pressure off them to speak. And lots of times they can say what they want to say. I would recommend that you go to the experts, which would be the American Speech and Hearing Association. <laughs> they, have a, they have a wealth, they have a wealth of information. The other thing is if you have a child who stutters, there is a wonderful, wonderful website called the Stuttering Foundation. They have got amazing materials. A lot of it is free. Some of it is little booklets that children who stutter have actually written and they are free resources for you. So that would be the other thing. If you've got a child who stutters, go to the Stuttering Foundation. They're just top notch. And then for speech and language, I would definitely do the American Speech and Hearing Association. Well, with that, and I do appreciate that you consented to join me. Um, always love an incentive trip around the pool where you learn great things about your friends. <laughs> so, and thank you so very much for being with us. Thank you, Kathy. I was happy to do it. I really love sharing about it. Well, and that shows. It really does show. And guys, you know what I will just say as we end up? Go be a blessing to others because when you're a blessing to others, you can't help but be blessed yourself. Until next time, this is Kathy. Hey, guys. Real quick, I hope this episode was a blessing to you and that you learned a nugget of truth, got a laugh, or had something that you can share. It would be such a blessing to me if you would go over to iTunes and leave me both a starred and a written review. I would love to be able to read some of those reviews online, and that pours into my ministry and my work so much. 
In addition, if you want some of our free things, that's found over at kathylanham.com. I'd love to connect on social media. DM me at at kathylanham. That's my handle over on Instagram. So until next time, go be a blessing to others because when you're a blessing to others, you can't help but be blessed yourself. Take care. Thank you.